Hello everyone and welcome back to the Football Chuggy podcast. My name is Thomas Durning and today I'm joined by my co-host, Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how you doing? Also on today's podcast, we also have Liam Doherty joining us. Hello Liam. How's it going guys? Yeah. So on today's podcast, we'll be reacting to Ange Postacoglu leaving Celtic to join Tottenham Hotspur, reacting to both the FA Cup final and Scottish Cup finals, reacting to Karim Benzema leaving Real Madrid, previewing this weekend's Champions League final, and at the end of the podcast, Pierce will be given a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So coming up next, we will be reacting to Ange Postacoglu's Celtic departure. So on Tuesday, the 6th of June, Tottenham announced Ange Postacoglu as their new manager. This brings Postacoglu's two-year journey at Celtic to an end. And during his tenure, he won five trophies at Celtic, which included two league titles, two League Cup wins, and one Scottish Cup win. Postacoglu is now the first Australian to ever manage in the Premier League. So, Pierce, starting with you, what is your reaction to Ange Postacoglu leaving Celtic and joining Tottenham? Uh, I, I don't think it was a bit of a shock um, the last couple of weeks because you've seen his demeanour like he was a bit relaxed and obviously that meeting a few weeks ago with Dermot Desmond was pitched to be Ange Postacoglu um, at Celtic, inside Celtic Park and Dermot Desmond's never usually at Celtic Park unless it's something serious and we all, we all thought it would be maybe discussed a new contract um, but obviously he's he's thinking uh, Pastor's new and you can see he was one foot out the door even before the cup final and um, but it is the perfect way to go um, at the end of the season not midway during the season like uh, like Brendan Rodgers but power to him it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic move for him um, obviously Tottenham are not in Europe this season but you've got a Bigger budget, you've got the most probably the most competitive league in the world, and um, the chance to manage some world class players. Yeah, so um, that, that's my overall reaction to it. To be honest, what be yourself, Liam? Um, I think it's probably natural. Um, for a manager that he's obviously an Celtic fan, so he's. You know, you look, you look at his journey, everything he talks about, his personal goals, it's probably natural, expected, and it's to a certain extent understandable because Spurs are a big team. You know, you even think about after Spurs, he's probably not going to get a job as big as that because who's he going to go to above them in the league? You know, so it is a big job. I think the only thing that a lot of the fans are annoyed about is a few of his quotes that he's dished out the last couple of years saying... As long as the club want me here, I'll be here and, and all the rest of it. So I think the fan base are entitled to feel a bit annoyed. Because in a sense, you you think, why why would you say that? You would just go there, get your job done. Because it is a job at the end of the day, and then move on. So I think without the quotes, it's a wee bit less annoying for Celtic fans. But you know, like I say, it is understandable and you can't really blame, blame the guy. Yeah, I had a, I had a funny feeling. Um, obviously, the news broke. I think it was last week. Um, after Tottenham, they missed out on the Feyenoord manager, so they, they switched their attention to Postacoglu. So when the news broke last week that it looked like after 
Celtic's uh, match on Saturday. That Tottenham were going to talk to him. I kind of knew that from then it was, you know, he was going to take it. You know, uh, obviously, he's, you know, you know, it's a really good story for him. You know, uh, you know, let's be honest. I think three years ago, no one in Europe really knew knew him. You know, uh, Celtic fans didn't know him when he first came to Celtic. Um, you know, and you know, I, I don't think he would have. I don't think he even he would have said three years ago that he would in three years' time he'd end up at Tottenham. You know. One of the biggest clubs in in Europe, and you know, it's a brilliant opportunity for him. And obviously, um, the first Australian to ever manage the Premier League, you know, a bit of history there as well. So, um, you know, as Celtic fans, Celtic fans will be disappointed, but you know, it's a brilliant opportunity for him. So, uh, just obviously touching on Foster Coglu, so he's obviously known for the style of football, the way he wants to play. So Pierce, how do you think that'll 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 fit in at Tottenham? Do you think do you think it'll do you think will do well? Well, if the with the players he's got his disposal at the moment, absolutely not. Um, he needs a major rebuild, which like he done at Celtic in his first in his first season. Um, because you look at that, the team and obviously there's, um, was it talk of Hugo Lloris wanting to go this summer as well? So he's a goalkeeper. The Tottenham defence is far too leaky for my liking. Um, obviously, they've got world-class talent up front, but you'd probably say, apart from the forward line, the whole team probably needs a re a rejig. So it's a massive rebuilding job for them. And obviously, Tottenham uh, fans weren't too happy at the bit of the interaction. Now they're kind of on board that they've got appointed. But Tottenham are quite uh, uh, cutthroat because what was it two seasons ago that um Nuno Espirito Santo won player, uh, manager a month for the first month and then he was sacked the next month and obviously they've had quite pragmatic coaches and um, Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte so it's a completely different style of football um and obviously you never know what's going to happen with Harry Kane Tottenham want to keep him he wants to go. It's got a big, big ask for him. I think, I think, he'll, I think he'll struggle this season. But if he gets the right players in and he gets off to a good start, then you never know. Bobby yourself, Liam. How do you think Costa Colgo will do at Tottenham? I think, and I've came to the conclusion that in football, I think it's just too hard to predict because when I was coming to Celtic, nobody gave him a chance. Spurs fans aren't giving, giving him a chance. The, the turnover of players at his time, during his time at Celtic, what he's won, obviously, the style of football. You've got to give him, you know, a really good chance of doing well at Spurs, but I know it might sound a bit silly because he's done it for two years now at Celtic, but was that, like, sort of, not a one-off, but what I'm meaning is there's so many variables, so the, the league's different, the, the team's different, the calibre of players different, the money's different, so can he go down there and do it again? And I just think it's so hard to call, but... Like I say, you've got to give him a chance because he'd done it at Celtic for two years, so Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely gonna have to be given time there. Um, you know, Tottenham have come off a really difficult season. Um I, I actually think it's a good fit. You know, Tottenham, you know, since Pochettino's left, they've went down a different route in terms of bringing in managers that don't necessarily play an attacking style of play. They kinda want to set up in a more kind of defensive Style 
and try and win games that kind of that kind of way. But with Postecoglou coming into Tottenham, you know it, it it's it's clear that Tottenham want to get back to that attacking style of football. You know, taking the game to teams, and and also that's what Postecoglou does. You know, he's he, he believes and he believes in his philosophy so much. Um, you know, he's going to have to get back in the summer. You know, Daniel Levy's going to have to, you know, trust him and the players he wants to bring in. Um, but I, I think it's, I think, if he's given time there, you know, Tottenham aren't known for giving managers time. But if he gets a little bit more time there and gets his philosophy, you know, he gets into the players, you know, I, I think that could end up being, you know, like, you know, it's also hard to predict, but it could, it could go down really well. Uh, it could do really well at Tottenham for them. Um, that's that's the thing as well. It's just it's about time because at Celtic, I think he only won two or three his first seven league games, and he did come in quite late after the the Eddie Howe saga. But um, he started the season without some of his own players. Edward was still playing up front, so it took him time here, and that's the thing. Will he get the same amount of time down there? The only difference. In my opinion, from when it was being rumoured to go down there, is that it was a two-year deal. Now it's four. So, uh, is he going to be given time? Well, that that kind of sounds like he will. So it's just hard to predict. What I will say is that, um, like Postecoglou, like the difference between him and Mourinho and Conte is, I feel that when Tottenham would lose a game, Mourinho and Conte would really go, like they would bring themselves. Really down, you know they would, they would take it to, they would take it to, took it too much. But I think what Postecoglou is different to them too, is that even if it isn't starting, starting well, he won't panic. You know, he has, he'll just stick to what he believes in. You know, knowing that, you know, if he sees improvement, you know, he he'll not panic. And I think that might, you know, kind of connect with the Tottenham fans because, well, let's be honest, Tottenham are in kind of a disconnect at the moment with their fans and their team. And I think Postecoglou, what I think he's really good at is he's good at bringing everyone together. You know, he did it Celtic. You know, I know it's different kind of, it's a different kind of job, but there was a big disconnect at Celtic with the fans and the team. And Postecoglou came in, and I think from the kind of start when he came in, slowly but surely the the, the connection was getting was getting better and better and better. And that now just kind of leads me on to my my next question, Pierce. Obviously, he's now left Celtic. So, what position do you think he's left Celtic in? Is that a good place or is that a bad place? I think he's left Celtic in a very good place. Um, just on the back of treble, um, kind of some sour taste in the fans' mouth of Celtic um, because obviously it was what well, a couple of days after the uh, treble triumph, and you could see well, if he's on pitch celebration, like he was really taking in the fans because he knew this would be his last time in front of them. Um, Celtic fans loved him. He loved them, but I think it was just a natural progression. He, he even said himself, players don't want to be there. He's not going to stand in the way. And I think he's seen the fact as well. He's 58 years old and it's a massive payday and you can't really turn it down. It's life-changing money. Um, and the fact is to go manage in the Premier League, like you said, you touched on earlier, it's the first Australian to manage the Premier League. Um, I think he's left Celtic in a great position because... Celtic have now got all summer to, and they've got early summer as well to try to get a new manager in place. So I'm pretty sure the search should be ongoing at the moment um, with candidates applying for the job because like, who wouldn't want to take over that position 
the fact you Champions League football as well, group stage football, and you're on the side that's just won a table. But I think the most important thing is that for Celtic's point of view is to try to keep a hold of their most key players because a lot of the teams down south and abroad will be will be uh, trying to kind of pinch players. Especially, you would, you'd probably suggest that usually when managers move jobs, they usually take players they know with them. Do you kind of feel that Andrew try to take like Kyogo, Carter Vickers, Hattati, like the pure spine of Celtic side? Because that's what they need, to be honest, because if they lose Kane, Kyogo's the perfect replacement, and then you've got Carter Vickers, who's previously at Tottenham. They never made the grade there, but and how solid he's been for Ange in the last two seasons. So, yeah, he's left out a great position, but uh, it just remains to be seen who the potential candidates might be. But, you know, I think he's left Celtic in a very good position. And Liam, what do you think? I think he's left Celtic in a, a really healthy position. Financially, you just look at the last... I'm not going to kid on, I know it's in Celtic's bank, because nobody does, but the last couple of seasons qualifying for Champions League. Um. The players that were sold before he came in, I know it wasn't down to him, but it was part of his era, in a sense. Uh, winning trophies. The, the assets that the team have, the, row, the club have, sorry, they could sell players for a lot of money. So he's, he's the club have done a full 180 since he's been here. Um, and I just think that people are saying Rodgers never took players when he left. But the difference for me is... Rogers had experience in the Premier League before and I don't think his system was in particular as Andrew's. Andrew's still repetitive, particular um, with his system and he probably trusts himself to bring in players at Tottenham to a different club to fit the system but I think if he knows Diogo, Hidati, Carter Vickers can, can play in that system he might bank on them um, because it is a big step up um, to the Premier League so you never know. So it just it just really depends how healthy he's left it. If players leave and follow him, if we get a manager and quicker. Um I think Celtic last summer made the first couple of signings the first of July. So think about it, it's only a few weeks away. So they I know they need to take time to bring in the right guy, but they kinda need to be quick about it as well because especially if players are following and signings need to be made but the, the manager needs to come in and assess the squad first so we'll see yeah I agree with you both a really good position um, you know back off of a treble uh, you know Champions League football guaranteed next season uh, you know the squads there's no rebuild or anything with the squads you know the squads looking really healthy um, so a really good position he's left Celtic in so um, lastly Pierce, I'll start with you. What next for Celtic? Where does Celtic what what manager obviously for Celtic are looking now for a manager? Where do they look? Who do they look to and what kind of style do they look to? Um they can look far and wide because like Liam touched on earlier, like, probably no one heard of Vance Postfoglo in Europe two or three years ago. And it turned out to a massive success, but it has to be someone in the same sort of mould. Someone that is exciting, wants to play attacking football and doesn't fear anyone, especially in Europe. You've seen uh, Real Madrid this season at Parkhead for about 60 minutes, he struggled. Um, and that's that, that's exciting, although uh, Real Madrid ran out comfortable 3-0 winners in the end. But to see them domestically be so successful and in Europe, 
just be exciting to watch. I think that's what um, the Celtic hierarchy will be looking to appoint a manager that's young, hungry, wants to be attacking football, always in the front foot, and um, they just take just pick up from where Ange uh, left Celtic. And yourself, Liam, what next for Celtic? I totally agree with the, the type of guy that needs to come in, as Pierce was saying there. Um, a lot of the, the fans are talking about get somebody in that's good for Europe, but as bad as it sounds, I just feel like that would need to be somebody that's going to be here for a number of years. Like Anne said, they need to be there every year to, to work on European performances. And I'd be, you know, is there going to be a manager that's going to stay at Celtic for four or five years? So I think first things first is getting somebody in that can continue domestically. And uh, all the, the candidates in the list, I said Rogers just because Andrew was a risk. And as a you know football fan, I like clubs making those types of risks. But at the time, Celtic didn't really have a lot else to lose after the third in a row season. So I think now we may have some reservations about making those types of risky signings again because if they do have more to lose. You know, Beal's already had a number of months to get his, his style implemented. He's got his own signings now. So the Rangers are ahead of Celtic in that sense. So I think first things first is get somebody in that is going to perform domestically. And the other thing about Rogers as well is I think he'll come in and it won't be compared to Ange as much as the other candidates, which takes so much pressure off the club because he's he's actually done better than Ange at Celtic. He's, he's got his own legacy. I know he left in bad terms and a lot of fans won't like that, but he'll come in and he'll know he can do a job. So that's why I say Rodgers. Yeah. Celtic, um, Celtic definitely don't need to panic. You know, uh, you know, they, they might not have been expecting for uh, Postacoglu to leave, but don't need to panic because, like, it's not as if Celtic have terms of qualifiers coming up where, you know, they need to get a manager in really quickly for these games that are going to be coming up. You know, the summer is, you know, they've, they've, they've got a little bit of time until the summer uh, starts for them. Uh, I do agree with Pierce in terms of uh, Celtic searching far and wide uh, for managers. Um, I think people do necessarily just go for names that are you know, based in Europe, but like there is lots of managers that not a lot of people know about. Like we we never knew anything about Postecoglou that are far and wide around the world. Um, but in terms of a style, I definitely think Celtic have to go down well similar to the way Postecoglou played. Um, because got to remember as well, a lot of these players that are in the Celtic squad now were signed for that specific reason. Um. But it's going to be interesting, an interesting kind of couple of weeks to see where Celtic go in terms of looking for managers. Um, I don't expect Celtic to appoint anyone anytime soon. They'll probably take their time now. Um, but let's see what happens. So we will now move on to reacting to last weekend's FA Cup and Scottish Cup finals. So on Saturday, the 3rd of June, Manchester City defeated Manchester United 2-1 to claim the FA Cup trophy for the seventh time. So, Pierce, starting off with you, what is your reaction to Manchester City winning the FA Cup? Just see your winners. That's just what it is. What was it? Like 15 seconds to score the first goal. Um, Gundogan again, kind of absolute clutch towards the end of the season. I don't know how season he's done that in the row now, maybe three or four. Because it was uh, was it last season? Um. 
Aston Villa on the final day, you've got two goals to win the title. Um, now, 15 seconds, you've got a left foot volley, which is an absolute cocker right in the top, hand, top right hand corner. And then the second one was a bit of a scuff, but got it over the line. Um, but Manchester United just never looked like really threatening Man City. Man City just total control. Although the game was 1 2 1, but I do feel as if it, the scrolling was a lot more comfortable than what it suggested. And um, they'll be on course for a uh, treble. What about yourself, Liam? What's your reaction? Uh, no surprises at all. I said that last time as well. I think I never expected the goal to come that early, and I never expected Man United to get back into it, which they've done well to do. But like Dear said, it was Man City's game, and it was quite comfortable in the end. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, Man City, were to- I think they were deserved winners. Uh, they were in total control, um, and you know. The quickest goal in FA Cup final history, you know, and that I think when that goal went in, I think a lot of people could think kind of see where the, the game was going, and so they were in total control the whole match, and they totally deserved to win. And so the Scottish Cup final was played later on in the day, on the same day, which was Saturday the third of June, and Celtic defeated Inverness, Caledonian Thistle three one to claim a world record eighth domestic treble. So, Pierce, what is your reaction to Celtic winning the Scottish Cup? Fantastic achievement. World record, eighth treble. Um, I think that's about five trebles in the last seven seasons. It's a remarkable uh, success. Um, the game in the first half was about, was about lethargic. There wasn't really many chances. And then the movement for the first goal by Kyogo and the finish was outstanding. Um and I think he just I think Hugo Furahashi just just loves Hamden. Because anytime he plays, he just seems to score. Um even if he's half fit, um, or even half a chance, but for most people that isn't isn't even a chance. Because how many times do you get across your marker and then just connect with it wrong and just balloon it over the bar? But the way he just gets his foot wrapped around it, top right hand corner. Um and I Celtic looked comfortable at 2 0. And then um Inverness got a goal back into it. Um and then obviously towards the end um Celtic made it a bit more comfortable with Jota at the end. But um no fantastic achievement. Fully deserved winners. I don't think they were really um at their sparkling best. Um but Inverness gave a right good go at it and um they deserve they deserve to be finals, Inverness. I think there's been a fa- it's been a fairy tale story for them. Um, and even getting to a final and even scoring a goal in a final against Celtic is uh, a remarkable achievement in itself for them. Um, but I do think one thing I would have to say though is a half five kickoff at the Scottish Cup, which is one of the oldest competitions in uh, club football, uh, just to accommodate the TV for the FA Cup final is uh, a disgrace, in my opinion. Um, should be a three cup kickoff for the penultimate Scottish uh, Cup final, it shouldn't really matter about what they do down south um, because um, the showpiece event in Scotland should always be a three-cup kick-off at Hamden. Yep. Um, Liam, what's your reaction to Celtic winning the Scottish Cup? Yeah, some achievement and a lot of people are writing Inverness off straight away but that doesn't take away Celtic going out and doing the job and 
ever rest unwell to get a goal and to get to the final. But um, eight eight trebles is is some achievement. And like Pierce was saying about the, the kickoff, I don't know how people can be surprised that Ange got to Spurs when you know the the authorities up here as if they are changing the the time of the Scottish Cup final for to suit England. So I uh, need to get their priorities in check. I think because. I would watch the Manchester Derby 100%. And I know there's fans out there who weren't Celtic or Inverness fans that would rather the time be changed. But it's just it's making a mockery of the, the Scottish game. And you know what chance have you got to keep managers and players if, if that's happening for your own governing body? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as you both said, they are about an achievement and a brilliant achievement. Uh, totally deserved. And totally deserved on the day. Uh, you know, the Celtic were in total control of the match. Um, it wasn't the best match to watch. I felt it was kind of a typical final where, you know, it was quite nervy. You know, both teams were, you know, it was kind of end of season. It felt that both teams were kind of playing like the, the season was ending. Um, you know, so Celtic were in total control. You know, Inverness, you know, they got to go back. I think Celtic kind of switched off a little bit, but in that period, but uh, yeah, totally deserved. And you know, I totally get what you're saying about the kickoff time. Uh, you know, especially for the Inverness Cali Thistle fans. You know, trying to get home. Uh, that that would have made it more difficult for them because obviously they are quite far away from where the final was held in Glasgow. So fair play to them from making their, their way down to Glasgow and making their way back up. Um. Although the result didn't go for them. Um, so we will now move on to reacting to Kareem Benzema leaving, uh, leaving Real Madrid. So on Sunday, the 14th of June, Real Madrid announced that striker Kareem Benzema will be leaving their club. So Benzema leaves Real Madrid to join Saudi Arabian club Al Etihad and he will earn a $200 million salary per season. So starting off with your peers. What is your reaction to Benzema leaving Real Madrid to join Al Etihad? Um, it's the end of an era. Um, fourteen years. He arrived as a twenty-one-year-old uh, uh, pop, and he leaves an, a mature legend at the club. Um, his record is what three hundred fifty-four goals in six hundred and forty-eight games, only second behind Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, the fact is he scored more goals than Raul, Di Stefano, Puskas, Hugo Sanchez, just legends of the game. But the fact is, like people years ago, just we were so underappreciated. It's only in the last couple of seasons he's been truly appreciated by everyone in the world. Um, and you don't get recalled by France at the age of 33, 34 um, for the national team. If you if you're not if you're not scoring goals on a regular basis, and the fact is, he played second fiddle to Ronaldo because he knew he would win trophies. It was part of that successful era where it was a three peat of the Champions League, um, and then obviously he's won five Champions Leagues himself. One la the one last season was, I think, stuffy stuffy fairy tales because the fact is, were written off every round. What is after dead and buried? He was the main man. Um, and then I think this season it took his toll. It all in niggle injuries, but he still managed to score 30 goals this season in all competitions. Um, and like you said, going to Saudi Arabia, 
eighty-five million pound a year in wages, tax-free, for three years. At thirty-four year age, you could turn a thirty-five later on in the year. I don't think you can really turn it down, and that is due to family reasons, because he's basically setting future Benzos up for for life. Yep, um, Liam, what is your reaction? Yeah, I think he's um, a legend of the game for Madrid. It's hard to think that he's been there for 14 years because, like Pierre said, he only really started hearing about him a few years ago. Um, and maybe that is because Ronaldo was there and he was uh, playing second fiddle. But he's he's definitely earned earned the chance to, to go there and get that money. And I kind of think that last year would have been a, a nice time for him to leave, a good send-off. Obviously, they failed to win the, uh, the league this year and the Champions League, so um, it might have been better for him to leave last year, but that doesn't take away anything that he's done for the club. Um, and in terms of going to Saudi Arabia, I think I read somewhere that by the time he goes to the toilet and comes back out, he's three grand richer, so he can't really complain with that. And um, a lot of people might look down on the money that's involved. Kind of like when PSG started getting money and, and things, a lot of people disagreed with it. Um, but whether you think it's it's right or wrong. They're getting spoken about and there's so many players getting linked now and going away there, so it's working. Um, but yeah, he's a legend and he'll, he'll be remembered, I'm sure. Yeah, he leads a brilliant legacy. You know, second time, all-time scorer. Countless trophies. Uh, you know, you know it's quite, it's quite weird because I actually do vaguely remember the day he did sign for Real Madrid. Uh, obviously, that summer they signed a host of top, top players. Um, I wasn't really, I mean, I, I wasn't sure if he would, well, I didn't, absolutely didn't expect him to come out and create a legacy like he has at Real Madrid. Um, but I think he has deserved to kind of decide where he wants to take his career. Um, you know, uh, you know, the money, just before, touched on the money there, you know, the money is life-changing. And although uh, football is, you know, you know, it's like a personal thing. You know, sometimes you've got to take into account um, footballers' families and, you know, the money that we'll be earning in Saudi Arabia is life-changing um, for them. Uh, and, you know, as, as Pierre said, it sets it sets his children up for the rest of his life. Um, so, uh, no, I brought like sea leaves and, um, you know, just touching on the, the club he's going to. So, um, we're starting to notice a trend of players leaving Europe to join clubs in Saudi Arabia. So, Pierce, um, do you think football in Saudi Arabia is fast becoming um, a more global force? Yeah, it's it's the Cristiano Ronaldo effect, to be honest, because he's the first one. It was similar to what David Beckham done in MLS, put them on the map. Um, so now you've got Benzema joined He's at another club, potentially Kante going as well. They're wanting Ramos, Busquets, they're wanting Lionel Messi. So if they've got all these world class players, then it's going to put the, the, the league on the map. <laughs> and it's going to be, everybody's going to have all eyes on it because if you have Ronaldo and Messi in the same league, Karim Benzema, Kante, the players I mentioned, uh, and obviously Saudi Arabia's hoping. It's, it, it then improves the quality of the Saudi Arabian players in the league as well, playing and training with these world-class players. You may not be at the peak of their powers, 
what they've experienced. They've still the quality. They may not have the legs, but they've that they've that knowledge of the game, and they can help young players as well. So it can only benefit them. But you've seen this with China about ten years ago. It never quite worked out. Putting massive debt, clubs of them went under. Um, and it was a mass exodus of players' wages, especially what it comes to mind was um, uh, Carlos Tevez. Disastrous. Uh, he was there for like a year. Um, he was basically, I think it was on 850 grand a week. And he was he was always injured. He was travelling and he was scrutinised and never got to the levels he, sh- he was at because you're just, this money just doesn't motivate you because you're not really there for the love of the game. You're there for the, the moolah at the end of the day. So they kind of need to tread on fine water, Saudi Arabia, in terms of that aspect of it. But it's only it's exciting times for Saudi Arabia, and and I think it's um going to be interesting watch to see how many how many how many big stars move there, um. But I think this is just the start of um the mass exodus of players leaving, um, Europe and then going to Saudi Arabia to play. And um, what about yourself, Liam? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely going to help, um get a lot of attention. I mean, I've paid more attention to Saudi Arabia in the last two months than I have in my whole life, so it definitely works, like I said earlier, and if we get all these players, like Pierre said, there is a risk because of the money, so the players are only going to really be performing to, to get a move, they earn more money because they're already, already getting it, so it's a bit of a risk, but it's definitely going to attract attention, which I think that's kind of all they care about. And there was a few months ago, um, actually seen Ronaldo play a game and he looked really unhappy and then his team never won the league and I was thinking I wonder if he thinks he's made a mistake there but then when you think about all the players going there now he's probably happy that he's, he's went and stuck it out and he's going to be joined by all these players and it might change his his opinion of it as well so we'll see how it goes Yeah um, it's a great market move from Saudi Arabia getting these players to come in uh, these top top star players. Uh, obviously, what, what Pierce said, I think Ronaldo was kind of the domino effect for it. You know, he, I think he was the first kind of star player to, to make the move to Saudi Arabia. Um, I won't lie, I think the money side of it, it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable, you know, because you don't want a situation, you know, Saudi Arabia want, because it's, football there is a massive sport, and you don't want a situation where t- players are g- coming to the clubs and they're not really motivated to win, they're just kind of there for the money. You know, you don't want that situation because, you know, they want their football to grow. And, uh, you know, Ronaldo has said recently that uh, this could be, he thinks it's going to be a top five league in the world in the future. And, you know, I think it has the potential. You know, they, they are a very wealthy nation. You know, I think the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, they, they're really interested in football and they're starting to invest a lot more into the Saudi Arabian clubs, um, but I, I just I, the only the, the only side to it I, I I feel uncomfortable with is the money, because um, you know at the end of the day you know obviously it's up to these players if they want to go for the money, but you don't want to see a situation where these players go and they're not really putting a show on for the fans, they're not really interested, um, so it's definitely interesting to see what happens in the future. With football in Saudi Arabia, um, so yeah, 
So, coming up next, we will be previewing this weekend's Champions League final. So, on Saturday, the 10th of June, Manchester City will play Inter Milan in the Champions League final. Manchester City are going into this match trying to claim their first ever Champions League trophy and also win the treble. And Inter Milan are coming into this final trying to claim their fourth Champions League trophy. So starting off with you, Pierce, what is your thoughts about this weekend's upcoming Champions League final? It's the Champions League final, no matter who's in the final, it's watched around the world globally. Um, it's always the most exciting game to watch because there's so much at stake. And for me, it's the greatest club competition. Um, and obviously the fact there's going to be a guaranteed new winner this year because obviously Man City absolutely dismantled Real Madrid. Um, but I do think both teams are there on merit. Um, it's two contrasting styles. Man City just attack, attack, attack. So much quality bench as well as starting lineup. Um and then also you've got the the other side of it where um Inter Milan are just so solid at the back. Don't concede a lot of goals. Uh they've been playing for set pieces, but they've also got quality and attack when they do get forward. Um so it's an interesting matchup. And I do think um it's so hard to call. You probably Bookie's favourite, you probably back Manchester City to go on the table, but you can never forget about history in this competition and Man City have got a history of losing big games in this competition. Um, so maybe the biggest uh, hurdle is getting over their own mindset um, because the fact is Inter Milan are a proven European side and um, I don't think you should write them off. Of yourself, Liam. Well, I said Man City would win the Champions League before he even started this year, so they keep getting so close and end up not winning it. Um, I think this year will be different. I'm, I don't think it'll be an easy game. I don't think I'm going to say Man City will um, demolish it, but I think they'll win it and it will be a good game. Um, yep, so uh, I really look forward to this weekend's match. Um, you know, I feel both teams are in really good. They're in really good moments. Um, obviously Man City are just coming off an FA Cup win, and obviously also a Premier League win. Uh, you know, Inter Milan. You know, it has been a bit of a difficult season for them, but uh, you know, I think they've picked up recently. Um, in the league, you know, they finished really strongly, uh, and obviously they're in the final. They're going to be, they're going to be really, really up for it. Obviously, uh. Two different team, two team, both teams play a very different way of playing. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Also, Man City will have more of the ball. Inter Milan will will play that Italian style of defending and trying to hit them in the counter attack. So I, I think it's set up to be a really good game, a really interesting game. Uh, I I do think Man City will win. Uh, I just think on the day they'll have a bit too much quality for Inter Milan. But Pierce said it. About the history, you can't you can't you can't rule out history. You know, Inter Milan have got history, um, uh, in this in this competition, they know how to win it, um. So, definitely, definitely going to be an interesting game. So, uh, I just wanted to ask, starting off with you, Pierce. Obviously, if Manchester City win the Champions League this weekend, 
that'll be them uh, on the treble. So if that does happen, do you think they are the best team of all time? In just England or the whole world? The the whole world. Absolutely not. Um I, I think the probably greatest side um is probably Real Madrid because they've won the most Champions Leagues and that is the greatest competition in club football. And I don't think they're better than probably what Manchester United is. The Bosby Babes, you've got the tail on the side of 99 and then you've also got um, the Lisbon Lions in 1967 won every competition they entered and it was a Scottish team. And the fact is the money that Man City have spent in their squads, you probably no other side has had that amount of money to spend. So I don't think you can classify them as one of the best. Um, a, a brilliant team, absolutely. Um, what they've done is phenomenal and obviously they've got probably arguably the best one of the best managers of all time as well. So put that together, the best players, the best manager, it's not really a surprise. Um, and it's took them a while to get to the Champions League final that, and potentially win it. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't class them as one of the greatest sides of all time, absolutely not. What about you, Liam? I think they will be classed as one of the greatest sides of all time or the greatest side of all time by certain people because you look at, as Pierce was saying, Real Madrid have won most amount of European trophies, uh, Champions Leagues. So they're not the best team in history in that sense. But then you could say they play a better style of football than Real Madrid, so they are in that sense. But for me, I think um, his pep team at Barcelona is probably the best I've ever seen. And the only reason I would suggest this team will be made out to be the best team in history is because they're English. I don't know that it's so bad because it's just because the attention English teams get. Whereas I think that Barcelona team had they been English, I know that sounds really silly, but had they been, I think that would be up there as well, and it would still be talked about a lot more than it is. So, um, for me, no, but they definitely are one of the best football playing sides I've seen. Yeah, I mean, no one's ever going to agree. Um, I think you have to class them, um, as one of the best sides. You know, probably not the best side of all time, but you have to class them in that category if they do go on to win it because that'll win the treble. Um, I think as well, the way they've won it, if they do win the Champions League in terms of the style of football they play, you know, it's you know, it's 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 so interesting to watch. Um uh, so I I would say I I don't think they're the best side of all time, but they definitely would be put in that category, I think, if they go on to win the treble. So Final, final for the final part of the show, Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. Yeah, so we're going to start off in the, the Korean League One. So on Saturday, the third of June, uh, we Jumbuk Hyundai FC two, Ulsan Hyundai nil, uh, Suwon Samsung Blue Wings one, Suwon FC two, Jeju United two, Gangwon FC two, uh, Gwangju FC four, Puan Steelers two. Then Sunday, fourth of June, we Dejan Hana Citizen one. Incheon United 3, um, Diego FC 1, FC Sil 0. And then we had last night, Tuesday, 6th of June, Suwon FC 1, Ulsendai 3, Huang Steelers 2, Judge United 1. And on just before this recording, uh, Wednesday, 7th of June, Guangzhou FC 2, Suwon Blooms 1, Jumbo Hyundai Motors 1, Diego FC 0, Gangwon FC 1, Dejan Hana Citizen 2, Incheon United 1, FC Sil 1. 
So that's leaving the table in the Korean League looking like Ulsan and Ulsan Hyundai on top, 17 games, 41 points. In second, you've got um Pong Steelers and 30 points, and in third place, you've got 28 points with Jeju United. And then um in ninth position, we have Enchin United on 19 points. Um ninth position, we've got uh, in 10th position, we've got Suwon FC on 18 points, and then at the foot of the table, you've got Gang One FC in uh, 11th position on 12 points, and then at the bottom of the table, we've got Suwon Samsung Blue Wings on eight points. And um bit of breaking Korean news as well. Um Jürgen Klinsmann named his latest squad for South Korea's upcoming friendlies against Peru and El Salvador. Uh, the big absentee is Kim Min Jae after his fallout in the last international match against Uruguay where he blocked Son on social media platforms and claimed fatigue for his poor performances. Um, but the short inclusion is uh, Son Jun Ho, who we, we touched on a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's got an ongoing investigation into alleged match fiction in uh, China where he's um, been in the police custody for the last four weeks. Um, he plays for Shandong uh, Taishan. So, yeah, so that's like the surprise inclusions and obviously you've got um, Celtic striker Oh Young as well. So, um, yeah, so the, so the two matches will be played um, on the 16th of June, which uh, the host Peru at 8 o'clock kickoff Korean time and then the 20th they play El Salvador uh, at 8pm kickoff as well and that they're both uh, sold out matches already. Um, and in terms of the Japanese league, we had on Saturday FC Tokyo 2, Yokama F Mariners 3, uh, Shonan Belmer 2, Alberts Nagata 2, uh, Nagoya Grampus 3, Serios Osaka 1, um, Avispa Fukuoka 1, Gambo Osaka 2, Yokohama FC 1, Sagan Tusu 2, Kawashio Race 4, Hikado Consado Sapporo 5. And then on Sunday, we had the 4th of June, we had San Fetchi Hiroshima 3, Kyoto Sanga 1. Uh, Urai Diamonds nil, Kashi Antlers nil. And then uh, last night we had a club friendly between uh, Vassil Kobe and FC Barcelona. So that's why Vassil Kobe um, avoided a uh, league fixture this weekend. Because um, it's Iniesta's kind of farewell match in Japan where he gets to play against his um, former employers. Um, yeah, so the table's looking like the top of the table. We've got 15 games played. 33 points, Vassell Kobe, second position we've got Yokama, Yokama F. Marinos on 33 points as well, but played 16 matches. In the third place we've got Nagoya Grampus on 32 points. And down at the bottom of the table, it's tight as well. You've got um, Kyoto Sanga in 14th and Gambo Saka in 15th, both on 13 points. And then 16, 17th and 18th, Shonan Belmere, Kawashi Racel and Yokohama FC all on 12 points. And a bit of other Korean news that I forgot to mention as well. Um, so in Korea, it's uh, mandatory military service that all people, uh, all male uh, people have to do. And um, so there's uh, the new intake. So they all go on loan to uh, Gimchin Sangmu in the second division. Um, so a lot of big name players in the Korean first division then have to go on loan for a full year. Um, so the, the big absentees will be Umon Sang of Ilsan Hyundai, Paik Sung Ho of uh, Jumbuk Hyundai Motors, and Somin Kyo of Jumbuk Hyundai Motors as well, and uh, Kim Dae Won of Gangwon FC. So they're the, the, the main absentees 
and uh, that begins early December for the military service, which will um yeah, which will take place for one year. So um big big losses there for the clubs, but um yeah, so that's going to be happening in December, and uh, to continue on with the Japanese news. Uh, Albrecht Nagata midfielder Rio Taro Ito has joined St. Truden in the Belgian top flight. Um, the 25-year-old playmaker has appeared in all 16 league games for promote, promoted Nagata this season, scoring seven goals. Ito signed with Urawa Reds from his high school in Okayama Prefecture in 2016 and was loaned to Mito Hall, Hollyhock and Oita Trinita before moving to Nagata last season. A creative attacker, Ito is regular tasked with taking free kicks and corners from Alvarex. He's expected to play his final game for the club at home to Kyoto Sanga FC on June the 11th. He'll be the latest in a succession of Japanese players to join St. Truden, uh, owned by Japanese e-commerce and internet company DMM.com. Uh, the club is also set to appoint German manager Torsten Fink, formerly in charge of J-League's Vassel Kobe as a new head coach from next season. Um, Shuto Machino is also set to um, to be Europe-bound this summer as well. Motto clubs have been taking interest in the Japanese striker. Uh, second division side, uh, Holstein Kiel, are one of a number of names mentioned. So uh, watch this space. And obviously the big news as well with the Japanese squad set to play El Salvador on the 15th of June and Peru on the 20th. Both eight o'clock kickoffs as well is the fact is um, Rio Atati and Hugo Furuhashi of Celtic have both been recalled for the first time since uh, last September. Um, Hajime Moriyasu couldn't not recall both players if Japanese lacked that creative spark in the middle of the part. That's what Rio Atati brings to the table. Japan have an array of attacking talent at their disposal, but no one has been as clinical as Hugo Furuhashi who finished on 34 goals this season, um, scored 27 goals in the league, which won him the Golden Boot, also won in the Player of the Year in the process. Both players have taken the World Cup snubs personally and have used it as motivation to get a, a, a recall to the Samurai Brew. Uh, Samurai Brew. And that's all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, Liam. Uh, and thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Football Chuggy podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Chuggy YouTube channel and also on the Football Chuggy website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye bye.